0: Well, we've uh, been on a journey together through these uh, last weeks, taking a journey on uh, uh, what makes Harvest Bible Chapel Harvest Bible Chapel. And we've been, the plan is to sit and uh, spend time observing what we call our three W's, our four pillars and our five G's. And right now we're sitting and we've been in these last weeks looking at the four pillars. Pillars hold things up and what is it that kind of is the four things that Uh, We hold on to here as a church and we call them our four pillars and uh, Last week I began our kind of four pillars Pilates program Uh, With that, uh, let me just remind you what that is and that is this uh, We proclaim the authority of god's word without apology We lift high the name of jesus through worship We believe firmly in the power of prayer And we share the good news of jesus with boldness. Hey, let me tell you about jesus now, I'd like for all of us to do that together. So everybody stand up. Sorry you're on a yo-yo thing here. But uh, why don't you stand up and give your Bible in your hand. Because we're big about the Bible. We just don't want to talk about it. We want to grab a hold of it. So uh, you ready? Oh, okay. No, 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 no. No, you're not. Okay, Pilates class, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. We... Hey, let me tell you about jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead and grab a seat. Good job today is pillar number four uh, Unafraid witness sharing the good news of jesus christ with boldness uh, Teaching on the four pillars these last weeks really has been a delightful thing for me um, It's been delightful because I know that what's happening here is through our small groups uh, We've got over 250 adults that are meeting together going through a book called vertical church And I know that here in the coming weeks You are going to be covering over the last four chapters of the book talk about the four pillars And so one of the great things for me is I know you're gonna be coming on that. And what I don't wanna do is duplicate that. And it's like, yeah, la, 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 heard the same thing uh, before. I'm kind of coming in from a different angle. And uh, uh, so that when they come together, they're supporting one another rather than an exact repetition. So when you go to the book, you're not gonna be like, now I know where Doug got every word he said. Uh, That's not what's happening here. And so uh, today on the last pillar, Uh, proclaiming uh, Jesus with boldness, uh, I'm going to be coming at this like, actually, I've never taught on this before. So we're going to see how this is going to go from a different angle. Uh, The vantage point that I'm coming at this morning is that this room is filled with different people at different places. Oftentimes when the topic of sharing your faith, observation on on my part is, when it comes to the topic of sharing your faith It seems as though that the presenter, the person talking, one, if you will, uh, oftentimes they like have the gift of evangelism. Um, I don't. I don't. Uh, But we're all to do the work of evangelism. But they come at it kind of the thing that we're all at the exact same place. And we're not we're at different places in our understanding of the Lord and our understanding of the Bible Even for our passion and understanding of what it means to share our faith with someone else So I kind of want to start out with talking about really three different places that people are at the first two We'll, we'll take a shorter amount of time more time on the third one here So I want to talk about three different places. The first of those places is this I would kind of describe the person in this place They would basically say Doug you talk about the gospel, I really don't even know what that means. It's still, frankly, very foggy to me. Or it could be along with that where, you know, gospel gospel schmoshful, I I don't even know if I want to go there. And for the person, and I just, in a group this size, and group we had the last size in the first service, um, I just want to say to you, I'm so glad you're here. I love the fact that you're here. You are so welcome here. And I want for you to know that I love the fact that you're honest. And I love the fact that you're willing to think. I love people that think. And in fact, I'm convinced as we look through the scriptures, God loves people that think. It's almost like at times God's just like, come on, I gave you the capacity and the ability to think. Like, would you use your thinker? And it's just like, duh, folks. You know, and I, I see a God who loves people that think, and I'm so glad you're here. And so I just, a couple things to encourage you and to, to help you along. If you're at that place of, if you don't know the gospel, I just, in light of our conversation, as we go to later, I'd want for you to be encouraged to start there. I want for you to be able to know the gospel. And, and um, with that, kind of put it this way. The reality is, is that you can choose to take the gospel or you can choose to leave the gospel, to to leave it alone. But I have to say this, you at least need to understand what it is. Because this has been a piece of information that now for centuries has been out on the world table that has had massive impact on millions of peoples of people's lives. And I just say, that's something worth taking a peek at what's going on uh, what the gospel is not the gospel is not about whether you're a religious person or not the gospel is not whether you believe in intelligent designer a creator or not that's not in it in and of itself the gospel is not about whether you read the bible or not or, or whether you even go to church or not the gospel is not whether you grew up in a christian home or not the gospel is not about whether you can answer certain Bible trivia questions or not. And the Bible is not about whether you went forward or not. The the, the gospel is about Jesus Christ. The gospel is about Jesus Christ and the work of redemption that he has done. That's what the gospel is about. It is about a work that has been done providing the opportunity for sinners separated from God to be able to be brought back in relation with their creator. In fact, I can kind of summarize the gospel through one verse. There can be various ones, but one verse is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. That's the bad part. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's another passage I want us to go for and explain that out just for a minute or two. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. If you've been around here for a while, you know that I love this passage. And uh, let me just kind of uh, highlight this here. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 essentially says this. You and I have a big sin problem, but there was a big God solution that was done. Therefore, you and I have a choice. We can receive it or we can walk away from it. We can leave it. Let me just read it out for you. Paul starts out and he says, he's speaking to believers in the church in Ephesus. And he's saying to them, and you were dead. Well, that's encouraging. Uh, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work within the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Listen, there's a big sin problem. There's a big gap problem between us and our creator because of sin and all of sin. But look at verse four. But God, It is a gift of God. By the way, a gift is placed out on the table. A gift does not become yours until you receive it. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't moralize your way to it so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I just want for you to know the story is this we're separated from God we're over here God is over here and this chasm of sin is built we can't jump it we can't buy it we can't earn it we can't moralize it we need someone to carry us across and that's what the cross is all about And Jesus came, God in the flesh, came, died on the cross, making redemption available. Hey, have you driven the stake in the ground with Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ and received him as your savior and bridged the gap over into relationship with God. That's what the gospel is about. That's all summed up in a little box. But it's so deep, you could go forever digging into it. Hey, if you don't know the gospel, you've got to check it out. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to do that. So all I'm doing here right now is I'm just tossing that out to you. Hey, would you consider the gospel if that's where you're at? The second place that a person can be, um, this maybe a little uncomfortable to talk about, but I'm going to. Uh, that's the person that's not living the gospel. Um, if, if, if you do not live the gospel, then start there. And, and just in a moment, I'm going to be talking, about sharing with you, uh, talking with you about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. And uh, know that talking about Christ comes out of a life that's living for Christ. Um, and if you're the person that claims Jesus' address, but doesn't even live in Jesus' zip code in reality, I want to call you home. I just want to call you home. The fact of the matter is we all know what hypocrisy is. We're all growing and changing. None of us are there. But I'm talking about maybe someone here this morning as we talk about this idea is kind of like, yeah, I can talk Jesus, uh, but my life isn't where it's supposed to be at all. The unrepentant hypocrite. I want to love on you enough just for a few minutes to encourage you to come home. I can think of the epistle of James. James says, faith without works is dead. If you will, if we're in a place where there's dead faith going on, dead faith doesn't match with sharing a living gospel. It just doesn't fit. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, there's a principle that can come out of that, of, uh, of essentially don't talk Christ if you're not living Christ. Add to that how Jesus talked with people who talked God, and yet there was no address there. I'm going to say this. He wasn't real friendly. And in fact, he got in their face. Jesus hates hypocrisy. In the news this week, there's a story about a man who's been singing in a church choir for years and years. He's been heralding the name of Jesus. and, And essentially owning that himself through that. And yet they just found out behind the curtain that he's been for years now having cheating on his wife and he's been embezzling. T- it was either tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, for that situation, I, I'm I'm just like, dude, get out of the co- the choir and zip your lip and get after your life. Back in my business days, we had not just a few, just here and there, but we had a, a, a one or two employees, I just remember at times, who would come in, and I appreciate the fact that they were bold enough to put out on the table that they were followers of Christ. But as some time went on, it became very evident that the reality was is their life was nowhere near living that. And the reality was is that they weren't even good workers. And everybody around knew it and saw it. And as myself and my brother, and a few of our other employers who are followers of Christ, are trying to have an impact on, on, on these who, who don't know Christ in our business. And it was just at times, it was just like, I was just like, dude, please, for the name of Jesus, would you just shut up? Boy, Doug, you're being awful hard, aren't you? Am I? Am I really? If you're in the place where you claim the address of Jesus Christ but you're not living in Jesus' zip code, you need to start there. And I want to call you home. If you don't know the gospel, start there. If you're not living the gospel, start there. Number three, let's camp on this one. If you do not speak the gospel, start there. I'll explain why I've kind of got it worded the way it is, uh, and part of that is, is last Sunday we talked about the pillar of prayer, and I'm I'm kind of trying to be a pastor who's uh, transparent and straight up. And um, I talked last week about prayer is the kind of thing that all of us would say we need to get better at, don't we? It, uh, let's start that. Isn't that true? We just need to get better at and the reality is is that uh, this area of sharing the gospel with other people uh, I think we need to get better at too. And and I say that for myself as well And so let's talk about sharing the good news of jesus christ with boldness By the way in your notes section there you see that baseball uh, Post-it note baseball you can go ahead and pull that off kind of put it on the next page If you want to take notes down there i'll talk about that baseball here in just a couple minutes Sharing jesus christ, um I think we Christians here in America um, oftentimes wrap ourselves in the sharing Christ around programs and presentations. I mean, just as a culture, we love programs. We love presentations. I mean, that's Western culture reality in it. And uh, like, here's some examples with that: programs sharing your faith. Uh, that's the bring your friend to church day, and or the sports event thing, or the tea and crumpets event, or the living Christmas tree, or the Easter egg hunt, or VBS, or you know, bring a big name athlete, or do door to door evangelism, or on the street evangelism process, or you know, uh, bring in a special uh, group to sing, or whatever. And have I offended like everybody? at this point yet okay that's all right because i kind of tried to do a broad span there i want for you to know there's certainly nothing wrong with vbs what i am saying is that i think we oftentimes see sharing christ with other people so programmatic that we can't get out of the program. And we think, if I'm going to share Christ, what's this church doing? Like, at the end of this, I am assuming the church is going to tell of its new evangelism program it's putting on the table, right? Uh, It ain't got one. But that's oftentimes the way we wrap it. The other is in the gospel presentations and can be so helpful. Four spiritual laws, the Romans road, the two ways to God, the evangelism explosion. The way of the master, the bridge illustration. In fact, I just used the bridge illustration essentially just a few minutes ago. And the other, another one is a share Christ without fear. I love that one. It's just a little Bible where you've got, and it's, this is kind of one-on-one. If you're having coffee or like in the office and someone's interested in the gospel, say, hey, let's just go to a couple passages and see what the Bible says. And here, read this verse. So what do you, what do you think it's saying? And let's go to a couple of, these. you've got the pages. It's just cool stuff. I've used it a lot. All of these are very helpful, but today isn't an evangelism training course. Today is something different and unique because sometimes we get so wrapped up that we think I have to be an incredible orator or I have to be highly trained before I can share Jesus with someone. And I want to let you know this. If you know Christ as your savior before you leave today, my goal is to encourage you that, listen, you're fully equipped to impact this world. In fact, would you do this? Turn to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter 5. We don't want to clutter the gospel. And I don't want to make it harder than it is. So we're going to look at two passages that are showing uh, the sharing of the gospel. Uh, I think it's going to encourage us. Uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 19. Mark chapter 5 comes after Mark chapter 4. I'm a pretty smart guy. And Mark chapter 4 really is one of my very favorite passages of scripture. It's about... Uh, first, it's about the, the soils, the four soils taking place, Jesus is teaching. And then they go across the Sea of Galilee, the storm hits. And the disciples' lives are really, truly rocked that night, totally rocked that night. And Jesus challenges them, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Oh, it's just so dynamic. Well, on the end of that trip, they go to the other side. Mark chapter five verse one, and they get there, and there's a demon-possessed man that's there. Ministry just doesn't stop here in this section. And uh, he's on the other side, and, and Jesus begins interacting with the whole situation that's taking place, and eventually casts the demons out into the, the pigs that run off the cliff, and that story, if you know. But read, read Mark chapter four and five. It's amazing accounts. And I want to point us to uh, verses 19 and 20. Because after all this, this man who was demon possessed, whose life was in total chaos, Jesus says this to him My friend, I'm putting that in, but my friend, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's the Great Commission. That's this guy's Great Commission. Do you know what? The cross hasn't even happened yet. The empty tomb hasn't even happened yet. The rest of the story hasn't even happened yet. And yet this guy's got a story. If you can look deeply, and I'll just tell you in the Greek, there's no program behind this. There's no big event that he's called to put together to bring people in. There's no, you know, before you can do this, you need to go through evangelism training 101 before you can go home and do this. It's going to take about five weeks. No, none of that. He just simply says, go home. Tell your friends what the Lord has done and how he has had mercy on you. Hey, if you know Jesus Christ is your savior, that's your story. Go home. Tell your friends what the Lord has done and how he has had mercy on you. Uh, By the way, look at verse 20. And he went away and he began to proclaim. That's cool. In the Decapolis, how how much Jesus had done for him. That's what he said. That's what he did. And look, and everyone marveled. Hey, people all around you are looking for the story. And you've got it. Uh, let's go over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Here, not too long ago, some months ago, we went through the gospel of John, and, and uh, we jumped into chapter 4. This is uh, Jesus with the woman at the well. Um, I love this account, and this is going to give you hope in this. Um, <laughs> let's just read it. Let me pick up verse 7. Uh, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, uh, ma'am, uh, give me a drink. Uh, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Usually the disciples were the ones who would get the water for the, what they would call the rabbi. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Uh, by the way, in parentheses, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. This was such an off-the-wall occasion. This is the kind of situation where him talking to that person, are you kidding me? Yeah, I hope we're not that way. I hope as time goes on, we have people who are coming here and who come to Christ who are like our freaky all over the place in their life. Bring them on, man. Bring them on. Engage with them. God loves them all. Verse 10, Jesus answered her. He basically says, can I have some water? And she says, why are you talking to me? And she, um, and then he says, if you knew the gift of God, whoa, like vertical. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? They're at the Jacob's well. And he gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one you now have is your husband. Uh, What you have said is true. By the way, I don't think this is Jesus trying to make her look like a fool. I think this is actually Jesus drawing out of her the reality that ma'am, You've been looking for love in all the wrong places. And I'd like to tell you where real love is. This isn't shame you. This is draw you out. I have an answer. 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I'd say so. Verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on the mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am him. And I tell you, this is this is at the water cooler. All it was was he was tired and thirsty, by the way an amazing theology in that reality, God in the flesh, tired, thirsty, wanting some water at the water cooler, and he takes this whole conversation vertical. How cool is that? How awesome is that? And how applicable is that? At the water cooler, our opportunities. Listen, maybe we need to stop praying for opportunities and we just start talking. Because they're all around us in the reality of things. Oh, but, but Doug, here, here's a common statement. Uh, but Doug, I preach the gospel with my actions and only use words if necessary. Um, listen, I'm all about the actions. But you do need to understand this, that if the gospel was primarily about what, what we must do to be saved, I could buy into that. But the reality is, is that the gospel is, Is about people knowing something. There's a set of information that has been put into place, and people need to know that information, and even our good works don't tell that. That's why the Bible says, How will they know unless you speak? So the actions are important, but we have to speak it out. Both go together. So Jesus talks the eternal, and uh, I would just say he tosses it out to her. And then he tosses it again. And he tosses it again. And she's interested. Add to that verse 39, chapter 4. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. That sounds like Mark chapter five, verse 19. Go home, tell your friends what the Lord has done and how he has had mercy on you. I will say that does take boldness, doesn't it? Let me give you a couple passages, encourage you on the boldness. Number one, let's all go to 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse six, 1 Corinthians chapter three, a little to the right in your Bible. Take people to the eternal knowing this, First Corinthians chapter three, verse six. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Hey, be encouraged, you're nothing. (laughs) But only God who gives the growth. Why is this so encouraging? Because you and I have never brought a person to Jesus Christ. All we do is toss it out. And it's in God's hands from there. That just like leaves so much pressure off of me. Do you? Listen, we're not God. And God knows that. And we're part of the delivery system. I don't know why God set it up that way, but he did. We're part of the delivery. So he just says, deliver it. Just deliver it. I'll take care of the rest. Woo! That's encouraging. That's encouraging. Second passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. You and I do the work of tossing the gospel out. God does the work of redeeming people. Then Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus is sending a group of people out, and he says to them this in verse 2. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. By the way, the reason that uh, I, I entitled this section, the idea of if you do not speak the gospel, start there, is because out of this that the labors are few. And we need to grow in this. And yet the part of hope that I bring out is I want for you to know this. The harvest is plentiful. Tossing the ball out doesn't mean going into an empty stadium and no one's around. There's actually people that are all around and want to know. So when you go out, we're going out as people tossing the ball, knowing that there are people that want to swing. Not all, because look at verse 3. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs into the midst of wolves. I want for you to know this is not a game. This is a spiritual battlefield. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 was saying. We're all separated from God and there's a battle that's going on. And so when you and I go out and we're tossing the gospel out to people, we're knowing that God is the one who ultimately does the work in the life of a person. Wouldn't you just love to go in and rewire people? Parents, wouldn't you love to do that with your kids at times? But there's a mystery to it. That's God's thing. But yet you and I, we toss it out knowing that God's doing a work and we toss it out knowing that the harvest is plentiful. There's people that want to play ball. There's people that want to play ball sharing the good news of jesus with boldness i just want to encourage you with that no program no fancy schmancy presentation while there can all be very useful and very good i just want to call you my friends to toss it out in fact i want to kind of do something uh because if you don't remember any of that uh people usually remember when i make a fool of myself so um Let me illustrate this, and I've got my uh, helper here um, with us to help. We've been talking about tossing the ball out. Now, just four things I want to point out. Number one is is Karen has the gospel. Um, As you can see, Vanna here with the gospel. And um, if I'm a person who's in her sphere of influence, who's in her life, that um, she has a desire to toss the gospel out to me, I just want to make this observation. If her life is not even in Jesus' zip code, why would I want to listen? Listen, you and I are the deliverers of the message. And there is a reality, yes, God will use everything, even our foolishness, but there is a reality to where if Karen's life is not even in the zip code of Jesus' reality of what it is to be someone walking with Christ, why would I want to play ball with her? Okay, that's number one. Number two, uh, what can happen is is that when, Je- when Jesus, when Karen tosses tosses the ball out, uh, Karen, go ahead and toss the ball out. You're going to come across people that are like, la 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 la. I don't really care. I have no interest. What do you do? Pray. Pray for them because you know that it's a spiritual reality going on within their heart, going on within their thinking. And only God can get in that. And yes, every so often you can toss it back out to them, but understand this, pray for them. Pray for them. And in fact, while I say that, that little baseball post-it note, I'm gonna ask you to be thinking, who's one person in your family, extended, close, that you could write just a first name down on that baseball. You've seen it already from the first service. You could just write a first name down to someone in your family that's kind of in that place where uh, you would like to share the gospel. Maybe their heart is hard right now. And then the other one is someone outside of your family, maybe at work, at school, or in the neighborhood. Okay? Um, we'll come back to that. Number two, um, so Karen's life, and then she pitched, I'm not interested. And then let me illustrate number three. Let me illustrate number (laughs) 2.1. And in all seriousness, do you ever sometimes walk away at times where you've had opportunities to share Christ or you just walk away and go, that was horrible. I so blew it. In fact, I pelted him with the ball. (laughs) I just want, I want for you to know, really, I want for you to know God does say his word will never come back void. Just keep pitching. Just keep tossing, okay? So now let's try and get a little bit more over the plate. (laughs) Okay, illustration number three. Okay, illustration is, what if you toss it out and someone swings, but they're like not even close? I want to encourage you to pray for them and keep talking to them. Hey, what's going on? Because they're swinging. I think that's what was happening in John chapter four with a Samaritan woman. She's like, wait, you're talking something. I've got an intrigue on. Uh, pray for them and keep tossing. Help them understand. Get into their head and just ask them questions. The hard draws, what's going on? Where are you at? How can I help you? So pray for them and keep talking. And let's see if this can happen. That was a great pitch, babe. <laughs> All right. And that's it. Woo! They hit it. They connected. Okay? It's the reality of when a person comes to Christ and they receive Christ as their Savior. Rejoice because that was a God thing. That was not a you thing. That was not a me thing. That was a God thing. And yet you and I got to participate in the process. God, you're incredible. But may I also say this? When a person connects and they're now part of the team, they now need to be discipled along. And I think this is something that not only we as a church, but uh, oftentimes we don't do a great job in Christianity. A person comes to Christ and we celebrate and then we don't teach them how to play the game for Christ, how to be a team member and what that looks like. Toss the ball. Toss the ball that post-it note would you grab that and would you begin and just think through god who's who's one name write the first name not the last name just the first name doug doug's in my family and doug's just someone i've got a burden for in your family in your extended family write that name down here and, and then a second name someone outside of your family in work and uh, whatever neighborhood uh school write a first name down there as well and I want for you to watch this uh, video. It's about six minutes. We're going to go a little bit over here. Um, the reason I want for you to watch it is not like a promo of Harvest Bible Chapel or Harvest Bible Fellowship. But I want for you to see out, it, out of this as we've f- walked through the four pillars. I want for you to see from some others at Harvest mm, the four pillars and why they're so important. And I want to let you know that one of the things that God is doing among Harvest Churches God's doing a great work. And I think it's because of these four pillars being committed to. So you watch this.